Hey, everybody, it's your internet pal, John Gruber. I've got some good news and some bad news. The good news, first, I have an amazing guest, Casey Johnston, who has done more writing and great writing about the saga of the Butterfly Switch MacBook keyboards than anybody else on the internet. And we're here to talk all about the new 16-inch MacBook Pro and its all-new keyboard design. So that's the good news. The bad news is that I recorded the whole show using my review unit 16-inch MacBook Pro and... To connect it to my regular microphone, I had to use a USB-C to USB-A dongle, and I think something went wrong there, uh, and my side of the audio uh, has a bit of static, uh, and we're doing our best to mitigate it in post, but you're going to hear it, I think, and I'm just telling you up front that you don't have to let me know. I'm really sorry about it. Nobody feels worse about this than me. Uh, I really do, but you don't have to let me know, uh, and here's the weird part. I can't explain it. I'm recording this preamble where I don't have the static, using the exact same microphone setup that had the static when I recorded with Casey. Uh, I can't explain it. It's some kind of thing. I don't know if I didn't have the USB key cable all the way in or what the heck I did wrong. can't explain it. Uh, Sorry. On with the show. Casey Johnston, welcome to the talk show. Thank you. Are you excited? (laughs) It's a big week for you. I mean... (sighs) Yes, I, I guess yes, it is. This is a the culmination of of uh, years of <laughs> complaining and effort on my part. So for I can't believe that anybody listening doesn't know, but for anybody who doesn't know, Casey, while employed at the Outline, wrote. Uh, I think all of the stuff on the keyboard was from your time. No, at the actually, Outline, the first time I wrote about it, I was not yet working there. That was it. Was like maybe four or five months before. But it, but was it published yeah, at the outline, or the outline. am I yeah, missing published the Published at the outline, yes. Okay. But I wrote it as a freelancer. Right, right, and it was <laughs> headline: the new MacBook Pro, the new MacBook keyboard is ruining my yes. life. I mean, it, it was no exaggeration. It really was, and sort of continues even today, even this week at work when trying to use a, actually a different computer, but same same style of keyboard continues to ruin my mm. life. Because you are a professional writer, mm-hmm. and most professional writers do a fair amount of typing on keyboards. <laughs> and editor. I, I mean, and... I'm, a write, I'm writer and editor, so it's like, you know, in a way, the stakes are even higher because it's my job to make sure everything's correct. But with these keyboards, I'm out here introducing errors constantly. Uh but I, I really do think so. The big news, everybody listening by now obviously knows Apple released the new 16 inch MacBook Pro, which replaces the old 15 inch. It's just slightly bigger, so they gave it a new number for the size of the screen diagonal. Um, and it has an all new keyboard design. Uh, you, I think. Along with Joanna Stern, I, I would say that you and Joanna Stern really led the way on the writing about this keyboard over the years. And there is a sort of uh, emperor has no clothes angle to it where it's like I feel like ultimately the bottom line of your writing about the issue is this keyboard is garbage. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, you, you said it ruined your life. Yes. I mean, it's it's tough because you can't, like, the keyboard was, the style of keyboard was out for a couple of years before um, I even got a hold of it, let alone wrote about it. 
Um, so it was like there was some um, negative feedback about it, but I think it really didn't gain any um, critical mass because no one really – I don't think – it's not like no one bought the um, original MacBook, no modifier, the teeny tiny one with the super, super shallow keys. Um, so it didn't – I think that no one, no one was out there like um, trying to amass – the negative feedback into one place and be like, wait, this is actually kind of bad. Um, it was only when it started to proliferate out to the um, the pro line and then eventually the airline much later that I think people or that I that I sort of came to it and was like, this is there's a trend here. This is bad. And it seems like it has been bad and just no one's saying anything in a very strange way. Um, yeah. And it was hard because like. Apple and various people, various owners of these computers would sort of continue to insist that it was like, quote unquote, user error or like an extreme minority of people who are having this problem. Um, but just the ease with which I was seeming to have it, like without really doing much wrong or anything differently than I had with any other computer, um, really involved a... Um, yeah, like it was a real like there are there are four lights moment. <laughs> where it's like I just have to like know my own truth here. Because it, it's two things. There's the what if the keyboard, the butterfly switch keyboard, which as you said was introduced with the teeny tiny MacBook with no adjective after its name that is now out of the lineup. Oh, is it gone? Yeah, that I guess it is gone it. now. Yeah. Yeah, then now with the air they've um they've they've taken it out. Right. Um it, it, and you could kind of understand why they went to it because that was such a teeny tiny computer, so emphasis, you know, so much emphasis on being uh, super small. It didn't even have fan a fan system. It used a chipset that, you know, wouldn't ever get hot enough to require fans. Mm -hmm. So there just wasn't room for a bigger keyboard with traditional travel blah right. blah blah. It and then they used that keyboard eventually expanded to the whole line with, you know, whatever mechanical differences when the computers got bigger. Whether you liked it or not is one thing. When it functioned completely as designed mm -hmm. is, you know, and, and I, I never loved it, but I didn't hate it. It's, you know, mm -hmm. that was always my impression of it. The bigger problem was for, <laughs> for a lot of people, it, it tended to develop multiple types of problems. Yes. One problem would be keys that stopped working. Yes. And so you'd, you'd go to type an E and no E would appear on screen or you'd go to type a space and nothing would appear. And then the other problem people had was the opposite where you would type a key and you'd get two of them mm -hmm. instead of one. That was the biggest problem Which I problems? was having for sure. I mean, like the interesting thing is that those, those MacBook sans modifiers were not really made for people who like used computers much at all it seemed like because they were so underpowered and just like they couldn't they couldn't do anything I, if i recall they couldn't even have very many like browser tabs open they were almost like chromebooks so it's like for for values of that person it seemed like maybe the keyboard actually wasn't that bad because if it's like you never really like take your computer outside of a single room in your house you never carry it around you never really open it. When you open it, you use it for like maybe 15 minutes at a time. Like for those people, it actually might have been fine. Um, well, it, but 
it only had one port, which was yeah. which was uh, one of the I limiting mean, yeah. factors. Yeah, so that's like it was really for people who like didn't really need a computer at all. So that may have been yeah. why it take it took so long for the um, keyboard issues to emerge. But nonetheless, what I'm trying to say is uh, the keyboards like I I remember trying them in store when I went to go be like I was like I had heard the keys were not great. I think I had tried them on the MacBook and felt it was too shallow, um, just didn't feel great. And I wanted to like wait and see what happened, even though I was kind of due for a new computer. So I was like in the market. Um, so when I went to the Apple store and I tried it, there was a little bit more travel and I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. Like you can at least feel something and like it's pretty responsive. Um, and it kind of feels nice to type on, but the nice to type on feeling went away so quickly because of the like, I, I assumed the dust problem that it just right. just anything getting in there would the the sort of drop off point from the pristine state in which typing felt good to the slightly less good state in which typing felt terrible. Like it was a very shallow sort of um, amount of travel, pun intended, from from the one to the other. So it just quickly became bad. And it's so it's hard for me to say, like, whether I actually liked the keyboard or not. It's like the keyboard in the pristine state. Actually, I didn't mind it so much. Um, it was a little it was a little like not as satisfying as like a mechanical keyboard, obviously. But it was it was fine. But the normal state of the, it's like, right. what is the normal state of the keyboard then if, you know, it can't even sustain the sort of pristine state where the typing was at least um you could you could ignore it like it wasn't it wasn't a significant factor i i came around on this and i personally never bought a macbook with one of those keyboards i'm my the one that i own is still a 2015 that you you managed to uh stay with the market right but the nature of my job is that i have reviewed various of these models over that period for like six weeks at a time. And with a MacBook and iPhones in particular, it is, I'm not going to say it's easy to review them, but it's kind of the the technique is easy is I put all of my stuff on and just use it full time. And the nature of my life is that I use my iPhone all the time and I just use whatever MacBook I'm reviewing all the time to do all my work. And so I've used the keyboard cumulatively uh, for months because I've reviewed several MacBook models over this stretch for six weeks at a time. Uh, and uh, the one time, I, I think it was the summer of 2018. Yeah, that sounds about right. So it was like a year and a half ago. They came out with new MacBook Pros, and I was using one. And one time the E key got stuck oh, down no. and like the corner, the corner was wedged under. It was wedged and under I just the sort case? Of, Are you kidding me? Yeah, oh, a little bit okay. like or something. It was like that. And, and I just sort of noodled it. And I was like, ooh, now I've got something juicy. And I tweeted about it. And I was like, ooh, E key got stuck. And then it never got stuck again. And I and it, that was like three days into testing it. And I wound I used it for like the next six weeks nonstop as like my daily driver computer. Never mm-hmm. happened again. And and like weeks later, somebody from Apple PR reached out to me and they were like, Hey, I missed it. And they had like a link to my tweet from like a month ago. And they're like, Hey, is everything all right? And I was like, you know what? Never happened again. And they were like, Oh, shoot. <laughs> um 
but I was like, <laughs> you know, I mean, this is part of how the weird. problem like, that it was like almost a sort of gaslighting thing where it's not yeah. a, not a consistent downslope and like the the dust or whatever it is that's getting under there can yeah. get lodged and then sh- sort of shake and loose um or move around like it wasn't it was very very possible for you to develop an issue and have it consistently at home and be like i can't write emails like this and then take it into the store and in transporting it to the store whatever it was was shaken out from under the key and suddenly the key works fine and the genius would be like well i can't help you like there's nothing for me to uh (laughs) look at or correct and i can't like take the whole computer apart for a problem that i can't reproduce so best of luck right Right. And, and maybe that term gaslighting gets thrown around a little too much today. You know, like 10 years ago, I don't know if I ever heard it, but it it totally applies to this scenario where you, you know that you were writing and your E key was producing Mm -hmm. double E's and you take it into the store and son of a bitch, (laughs) (laughs) every single time you, or like you could say, let me do it. And you type, you know, a sentence and it, the E key works perfectly and you kind of get it. It's like, what is the genius supposed to Mm -hmm. do? I mean, but on the other hand, if they know Apple knows that there's a lot of people coming in with this problem. Well, that was the thing. I think that's where the real, where the real gaslighting thing comes in is like when you know a problem is a problem and other people are having it and other people are coming and claiming it and you're pretending like there's some crazy weird one-off or that their problem yeah. is relatively innocuous, like the the line that I kept hearing, oh, maybe it's just a piece of dust, is like, you know, you know in your, like, cosmic, like, overlord Apple brain that you have done something wrong here. And even if the genius doesn't know it, someone somewhere up the chain knows it. So for someone to be facing yeah. me, telling me that my problem is, like, some sort of non-problem is really kind of messed up. Yeah. And the other thing is that the MacBook or the lap, the idea of a laptop has been around for a very long time at this point. And Apple deserves credit. I mean, this is going back into like the 90s, but sort of defining the modern idea of what is a laptop piece of hardware because like in like the early 90s the industry was all over the place and sometimes the keyboard was right up at the front of the device and people didn't know if there should be a trackball or should the keyboard you know Mm -hmm. and eventually this idea of put the keyboard towards the back use the front as like palm rests and put a pointing device in the middle became like the defining idea of a laptop and in the early days, they were all super expensive because computers were expensive. And it was like the entry model was like $6,000. And that's in like $1995. And it came down in price and everybody got them. And at this point, most people, when they think of getting a computer, what they mean is a laptop. Mm-hmm. Like the desktop is the oddball. Everybody knows what it is. Everybody's used one. People who do work on computers, which is an awful lot of people, that's what they think of. And all of those years, all of that typing, most people never once had a key go bad on any any computer. Right. Like, it's an awful lot of typing. And I did the math the one time, just like back of the envelope. Like, all right, I do a lot of typing because I am a writer. But just sort of spitballing, well, the typical week has I do this many words and let's just – 
take a guess that the average word is four characters in a space and, you know, take a look at my sent email and just copy, you know, like how many emails did I send in the year so mm -hmm. far? And, you know, just a quick estimate. And it's like, oh, I press keys on a keyboard millions of times mm -hmm. a year. Like no exaggeration. There's, you know, that's actually true. And it works every time. It's not like 99.9% of the time right. because it's like you, people living in the modern world with a job that involves email, you don't have to be a writer to do a lot of writing, like you just email and Skype or uh, uh, Slack and stuff like that. It, you, we, we press these keys and the accuracy is way more than 99.9% .9 accurate because if it was only like one out of a thousand failures, you would feel like you would, you would go insane. It, it really is like a hundred percent accuracy historically. I mean and so to have these, I was I was going to say this Have is these... like more this is like one of the better feel like realizations that I had when I was writing this first article was that keyboards keyboards were a solved problem like no one no one thought about you didn't I didn't even think about a keyboard like that a keyboard could like do I have to like check that the keyboard is going to be okay it had not it had not been something that I had thought about in so so long it was and for apple to go and try and reinvent it to the degree that it did become like I, I mean as you're saying like even a sort of extremely marginal failure rate is so much greater than how anyone had ever thought about a keyboard before like keyboards are supposed to be extremely reliable they're the primary interaction mechanism for a computer and to take it even from that like tiny percentage like a fractional percentage increase in like inaccuracy is actually quite devastating to the entire mechanism. Right. And some people, no, no, well, I'm, I'm going to claim no judgment is being mm -hmm. passed, but I am judging you. I'm sorry, dear listeners, because I know <laughs> some of you, this applies uh -oh. to you. Some people, some people eat and drink around their laptops. Oh, of course. <laughs> right at the keyboard. <laughs> I don't. I never have because I, I, I just, you know, I like, I don't, I just don't want my keyboard to get gross. Mm. Uh, but people do. Um, and for good reason, you know, people are eating at lunch and at lunch you kind of need to do work or you need to catch up or you just want to be entertained. Right. And you just want to watch a YouTube and hit the space bar because you want it to play. Um, but people do that. They have done it. They'll continue to do it. And their keyboards just keep working right. or kept working. Like the keyboards that were the standard, not like, oh, I'm going to buy an Apple keyboard. I mean, like you could go buy a Toshiba, you could go buy a Samsung, you could go buy an HP or a Dell or any of the various brands that are out there. And there's all sorts of things that you would say were janky about like cut rate laptops. You might say, oh, my God, this display is terrible. Look at it. You could just eyeball it. Or the hinge that you open it with is like janky mm -hmm. trackpads notoriously kind of had bad tracking on pcs on a lot especially cheap yes ones. and like in trying to but have like right click mechanisms and so or like scrolling mechanisms e things like that yeah e yep or uh i remember one time long ago i mean obviously long ago because i haven't had a real job in a very long time but one time i had to work at a place where everybody got a dell laptop and the dell laptop had it was like the early 2000s it had 
And I know everybody has this as an option. I don't like it, but the, the thing where you can just tap the keyboard without clicking it to have it register as a mouse click. Oh, it was, oh, it yeah. was turned on. It was turned on on the Dell and this is a brand. They, they issued me a brand new laptop right out of the, you know, fa I got to unseal it factory unsealed. Um, and it had that turned on and it was driving me nuts and I'm searching around the goofy windows, uh, preferences or settings, whatever they called it, can't find it. I do some Googling on the model number and it turns out it is, uh, there is no way to turn it off. <laughs> no, no. I was like, this is insane. Anyway, one thing I didn't have a problem with on that, on that laptop was typing. <laughs> like it's, it really, it's more than a solved problem, right? It, it really is like the thing that made it insane is that it wasn't even something we thought of as a solved problem. Right. Like nobody really thought about buttons that don't click. Right. I mean, it's um, I can't even conceive of the. I, I mean, I wish I knew the process that went into making these decisions that led to this keyboard. That like they were like, this is a this is a reasonable sort of leap to make in in um changing the functionality and the design. And I don't think, I don't think it's like they anticipated these problems, but um, it's, it's not a uncommon mistake for Apple to make that they sort of fail to account for any real world um, issues. Like I, the other thing I would compare it to is like um, when it used to be that iPhones didn't work super well in the cold because I think yeah, it just doesn't that. get very cold and like it's cold. It's, it can be, it's cold right. North, San Francisco, obviously, but it's not um, like Northeast cold there. So the fact yeah. that they never sort of accounted for that functionality and, problem is, is I think part and parcel to this keyboard issue as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that even in those early years, I could be wrong, but certainly with the original iPhone, it never even got to San Francisco because I'm sure they didn't even let the test units leave Cupertino. Mm. Like, however, however limited the number of people who had access to pre-release hardware, it they almost certainly weren't going to San Francisco. Like, maybe Steve Jobs could take it home, but he lived in Palo Alto. Right. right? I, I get it. No, I, they, they've had some issues with that. The one I remember in particular was I think it wasn't the first or one of the iPod Nanos, and it it was. Uh, it had like a plastic front and it it scratched just by looking at it. And sometimes people get real, you know, there's a large number of people who kind of want their Apple stuff to stay mint condition. And it's like mm. normal wear and tear. It's like, oh, come on. And nobody but Apple. Could. But th this one iPod Nano really could get scratched by like rubbing a tissue <laughs> over it. <laughs> I mean, it was like it was like putty. And it was like, how in the world did this ship? Well, somehow it must have like, you know, like never left the Johnny Ive team design lab. And they just loved the way it looked and the the way it felt on your fingertip. And they never really tried like just throwing it in a pocket with some keys right. to see what would happen. But it only lasted one generation. The very next iPod Nano had like a much different polymer on the right. surface and it was much more scratch yes. resistant. Yes, I do recall that. I mean, yeah, it's funny that they've that they continue to make the same type of mistake where we don't get this real world testing and like I think there's something to be said for like I like Apple design and I like the fact that it's not uh 
super ruggedized. Like I would never want that from them. But the fact that these sort of glaringly obvious tests, real world test cases continue to slip through their sort of design ideals is very um, telling and interesting. And I, it's, it's like, I, it's surprising to me that they can't even sort of get together a test case or they could, they couldn't have gotten together a test case where someone just brought one of these computers home for, you know, like back and forth or like in a a sort of outside of a testing lab apparently. And like, see see the, the issues that start to come up with the keyboard i mean it really didn't take very much at all like I'm, i wouldn't say i wouldn't claim to like never bring a uh say crumbly cookie around my keyboard but i had done it for years and years with other laptops other macbooks uh never ever ever an issue with the keyboard as far as keys sticking or um me needing to clean under them or it becoming any sort of like failure condition in the way that it did with this one. <laughs> it became like, cause there was like a standard or there still, it still exists. I mean, we're laughing, but every single laptop that Apple sells other than the starts at $2,400 and is as big as a lunch tray, 16 inch MacBook pro is still using that I mean, keyboard I design. Absolutely and, wild. Like just as, a sort of preparation for getting the for this podcast i was on their website just like double checking to make sure i i wasn't the one going crazy they're still selling like if you want a 13 inch macbook pro it still comes with this old keyboard i'm like are you kidding me yep. this is absolutely wild to have it in only one computer i can't yep. understand I, I i could never understand a justification for um that being the case i would love to hear them uh explain that but and they won't all right i am going to take a break right now because we're just going to keep rolling on keyboard it's all keyboards all the time this episode no sports no no other stuff i mean we will fill up five hours on the keyboard but i'm going to take a break and thank our first sponsor it's eero e-e-r-o it is wi-fi that your home deserves they have an all-new eero starting at just 99 bucks and the basic idea of eero is that it blankets your whole home with fast, reliable Wi-Fi. And the way they do it is they, they're all little cute things. They're all tiny. They're all the same. And so any one of them could be like your base unit. One of them does have to be plugged into your router. That's the basic, you know, you got to start with internet somewhere. In my house, that's in the basement. The router is in the basement. It kind of has to be for reasons I don't want to expand upon. But that, the basement is not a great place for your Wi-Fi signal to start. But I got a Wi-Fi. I got an Eero plugged into the router. It connects to another one that's just plugged into a wall upstairs. That blankets our living area with Wi-Fi. And then we have another one, a level up, that hits our bedrooms. And our whole house, four stories, has good Wi-Fi all the way at the top and right here in the basement where I'm talking to you now because I'm near the base unit. But you don't have to do anything complicated. There's no like I'm a system admin hooking up these router type things and typing in IP addresses. It is like the easiest thing to set up in the world. You just plug it in, you go to the iPhone app and you say I've got a new Eero and it detects it and then it adds it to your network and then the Eero system takes care of all of the Hey, which one is connecting to which devices and, and doing a little dance like that? You don't have to worry about it. It's just you plug it in, you add it to your thing, to your home network, and you're done. It is so easy to manage, and it really does help if you've got any kind of living situation where one 
router Wi-Fi signal thing can't reach the whole place. Uh, really, they have fixed that in in a townhouse type scenario like me. It just never would work. And starting in the basement, it would be impossible. So really, I, I'm I'm a big fan of Eero, even even though they're a sponsor of the show. I'm not, or I should say, <laughs> I'm not just saying it because they're a sponsor of the show. Here's what to do to find out more. You go to eero.com slash the talk show eero.com slash the talk show and use that code the talk show i think you get the code automatically by starting at that url but just remember the code the talk show and when you check out you will get your eero delivered with free overnight shipping you could have it 24 hours from now pause the podcast order your eero 24 hours from now it'll show up at your house for free so go to eero.com slash the talk show Ah, the keyboards. So it it is one of the here's the thing. Apple is I don't think any company is well suited. No no company, no person, no team, no organization. Nobody does well when they make mistakes, right? Mistakes. Sure. That's the definition of a mistake. I think Apple is particularly unsuited to dealing with significant mistakes. Small mistakes, sure. Like imagine if going to the second generation butterfly keyboard had fixed all the reliability issues, then we would have thought timeline wise, well, this was reasonable. The first generation was all new. It ends up there were issues with reliability of commonly used keys. Uh, and you know, like a year later or so, or eight months later when they came out with the second generation, whatever that was, you would think, well, that's a reasonable amount of time for Apple to acknowledge it and address it and ship a next generation product that fixes it. Um, the the real ghost in the room here, and we'll spend time talking about this, the new 16-inch MacBook Pro, which is really great. I will, you know, spoiler, <laughs> it is really great, and the keyboard is really, really, I really do think it's fixed everything. The... The biggest issue here is how long it has taken for this thing to ship and how long will it take for it to spread throughout the rest of the MacBook family in 2020, which Apple, of course, won't even say they're going to do. I mean, we all are guessing that they're going to do it. Uh, it would seem crazy if they didn't because this keyboard is so much better. And presumably they're they're losing a fortune on fixing these damn things while they're under warranty. I mean, they have this crazy keyboard repair program. That's what's that, really crazy to me is that uh, I can't imagine this is a winning uh, proposition to, for them to continue to double down on there nothing being wrong with these keyboards. But or that that it's, I mean, obviously, I think they're going to phase, phase out of it. But still, it's been so long that they've been like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Um, I don't know, just a crazy decision to me. Yeah, and I think it's I think Tim Cook is a very interesting and nuanced person, and I also think though he his public persona is very he he's clearly very private, and whatever he's like in person, I think is impossible to glean from what he exposes to us in the public, um, and so I don't subscribe to the notion. I don't. I think he's a very interesting fellow, and I think if you really found out what he's interested in and what aspects of these things he gets involved with, I think it would all be very interesting. But there's certainly a 
a a line of thought that I don't subscribe to, but there's a line of thought that, well, look, he came from operations. He's not a product person. He's not a designer. He wasn't, you know, his, he's a bean counter, right? He's only interested in making in that fortune of money that Apple takes to the bank every three months. And when they do these quarterly things, mm-hmm. right, he's a bean counter. And therefore, whatever your pet peeves with Apple are X, Y, and Z, it's because Tim Cook is a bean counter and he doesn't allow engineering to spend time fixing bugs. And so their software is buggier than it used to be because of Tim mm-hmm. Cook, because he's cheap and you know, whatever, you know, everybody's, there's a whole bunch of people whose pet peeves about Apple, they attribute to, because Tim Cook is in love with profits first and the product second, as opposed to Steve Jobs, who loved the products first, right? Even if that's true, this is the thing that doesn't make any sense. It, it Either way, it doesn't make sense because if his first concern is the quality of the products, well, then the keyboard should have been fixed sooner. But if his first concern is with profit margins and making money, then this thing that has and, – and the repairs were insanely expensive because the design of the computer was that if the keyboard broke, they had to take the, the right. whole quote-unquote top case. And the top case was all of the computer bits. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's the other the other thing that's so confounding about this whole thing is if your E key broke and and Apple said we have. All right. We'll take your computer and you can come back tomorrow and pick it up. It the fix did not involve popping off the E key and doing something and then popping the E key back on. The fix was effectively to just give you a new computer. Right. I mean, I think now, I think the the latest generation can be, like, if, I think at least the keys can be taken off and cleaned under, if I recall correctly. There's some, it's there's still some level delicate. of, like, uh, slight, slightly right. more um, fiddling that can be done without dealing with the computer in, like, right. two whole pieces. But, I mean, this has been right. how Apple computers have been. I think, I'm pretty sure this was in the first article that I wrote, um, largely about the keyboard, but sort of speaking to the level of ridiculousness that repairability has gotten that um, the previous MacBook Pro that I owned, uh, one of the little rubber feet fell off and I brought it into Mm -hmm. the um, Apple store thinking they would just like give me a little stick on rubber foot and I would just pop it on and be on my way. And I ended up being there for uh, like an hour and talked to like three different people for them to figure out that the only way to fix the fallen off rubber foot was to take the computer and replace the entire bottom half of the case. There was no other way to get another <laughs> foot on the, on the computer, which is just like they, the three geniuses who, who were all going through this, like also couldn't believe that that was true. Um, yeah. But I mean, that's, and that's... that's the level that things have gotten to with this, uh, these, these computers. Yeah, and that sort of is is a canary in the coal mine that Apple's whole support system has holes in it, right? Like, that's not an uncommon problem. I don't think that Apple's laptops have a particular problem with the rubber feet falling off. No. But I've seen it, you know. It, it I mean, they are like it does they're happen. Adhesive. They're not. I, I'm pretty sure. Well, maybe yeah. it's different in the latest ones, but I'm pretty sure they're not right. adhered anyway, except for like sticky goo right. between the case, the foot. Yeah. And so that and the, they're 
they have this thing that none of it's a huge competitive advantage that at this point I think goes under talked about is that they have this worldwide chain of retail locations where you can go in and and talk to an actual person from Apple who Apple has certified is technically proficient enough to figure out common problems and it it boggles the mind that with all of the secret drawers they have around those stores that there's not one that's just full of rubber feet I know neatly filed right and it wouldn't be like a junk drawer it would be like it would be like this thing that you would loved you would like oh my god can I take a picture of that because it would say like it would have like these little index cards 2013 MacBook Pro 13 inch you know so that you would get the exact right rubber foot right right mm-hmm. I mean <laughs> it's insane that they it's don't have like I I really feel this has been a shift in how the genius bar works and like how their repair whole thing is structured because I mean I got my first MacBook laptop in 2006 and back then, they were quite uh, responsive and helpful and so, just sort of, like, realistic in a yeah. way that dealing with geniuses now is is like talking to um, a robot. It's like talking to Siri or, like, to uh, Alexa. It's, it's like you're, you want there to be a, a sort of human behind, behind the interaction and the way a human, like, if a, if a stick-on rubber foot fell off, they would hand you another stick-on rubber foot rather than being, like, I'm sorry to hear your computer is defective. Please allow me to, um, like, consult with my other geniuses and my iPad and figure out what it is you should do. It's like, there's a very easy answer here, which is just a stick on foot. And it's like that sort of um, level of service, so to speak, has been totally lost within the genius or the Apple sort of genius bar ecosystem. Um, And it's sort of it's sort of like when you go to a any sort of premium brand retail type thing, they, they want to take care of your products, Mm -hmm. you know, like, so if you buy like a ring at Tiffany and then five years later you come in and you're shopping for something else, but they know you've got the ring from Tiffany. They'll like, they'll like beg you. They're like, let us clean it. We'll, we'll clean it for you right now and just take your ring and go and do like this professional magic cleaning thing and then give it back to you and it looks brand new, mm-hmm. you know, like just as a courtesy, like they just want your ring that you bought five years ago to still look right. perfect. And, you know, you go to a good car dealer and it's like you go in and take something in with your car. They'll like vacuum it, you know, they'll, they'll like vacuum the inside for you free and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, give you a free car wash because they want the car looking good, right? Like, so like, right, they you buy like a no name Chrome brand equity in, the, in this like sort of subjective, yeah. more like abstract way. Right. Right. So like you buy a no name Chromebook and the feet fall off, the rubber feet fall off. Well, you know, just buy a new Chromebook or whatever. But Apple should want you. They want your five year old MacBook Air to have all four rubber right. feet. They want to see your red. I mean, this, this is how it used to be. They want you to be out in the world with your like sort of identifiably old computer. But it's still like I used to admire the crap out of those people when I would see them around like. Um, New York people were still carrying around their like 12 inch power book in like 2012. Mm-hmm. It was just like, that's, that's like such, that's like, it's like seeing somebody drive like a vintage car. It's like, that's how good those yeah. computers are that people, they love them so much yep. they, and they take care of them. And like the entire yep. ecosystem sort of like supports itself. It really was like, it's, that's, that's sort of a kind of brand equity that you can't really buy. And to sort of connect back to the yep. Tim Cook point you're making, 
um, that you say you don't necessarily buy, which is fair. But the fact that, um, like, it's hard, it's hard to um, take that externality and turn it into a line item where you can sort of put a value on the sort of user experience and how people are out there in the world and the fact that if I'm typing an email to you and I'm sort of in a hurry and I don't have time to go back to fix all like the doubled E's or the doubled spaces, and this is how my emails are coming through and it's like my computer's fault. It's like, how do you ascribe a value to that either as e either like my frustration or this sort of bafflement of the person I'm, I'm talking to on Slack or sending an email to. It's like those things all come, they, they do sort of amount to something that, that is not, that can't be described by like me bringing in the computer and maybe it maybe then the issue can't even be replicated to the genius and then it's like oh saved saved money in tim cook's pocket it's like well no there is a there's a lot lost there that's very subjective it's like i said like the confounding aspect of it is i mean clearly whatever you think of tim cook he's in charge of the company right he he is you could tell he's mm -hmm. the man he, the buck stops with him. His highest priority, almost certainly, it, it doesn't make sense either way, is either the quality of their products and the user experiences that people have with them, or it is Apple's financials and its profit margins and revenue. I personally suspect that he truly, because I think he gets it, even though he's not a product designer himself. I think he understands the company and its relationship with the people who appreciate it. That, And I do think he's a long-term thinker. I think that he's more interested in where Apple's going to be in 10, 20 years and not about what they're going to report to Wall Street in three months. But he knows that along the way, you've got to keep, you know, part of his job is to keep those people happy who do care about that. And I think he gets it that the most important thing Apple can do, it's the whole reason Apple exists and is so different than other computer device makers is that they really do put the, the design of the hardware and the software and the overall experience first. So I, I personally believe that he, he believes that, that that's the most important thing. But the thing that's so confounding is that it doesn't matter if you believe the other side, if you think he's most interested in profit margins, because either way, it does not make sense that this keyboard lasted as long as it did. I mean, it yeah, really I don't, I, I can't, I can't make heads or tails of it really as far as like they did, they did quite clearly in ways they didn't openly acknowledge, but that were um, sort of revealed mm -hmm. in the, the technical specs of, uh, or like the sort of little nuances and changes of the structure of the keyboard mechanism that they were trying to fix it. They, they were trying, like it was all, it all ended up being sort of meaningless half measures but they weren't completely like they they weren't completely resistant to the idea that it wasn't working and it was a significant problem i don't know why they didn't jump to i like i i really don't know why they didn't jump to just putting the like what they ended up doing just putting the magic keyboard in the computer and people have been saying this for i think ever since the i i wrote my first piece they were like why isn't the magic keyboard which is quite good and doesn't have this problem why isn't that just the keyboard in the computer? And it's like, obviously, it's thicker. There's a, I mean, right. well, then I'm curious to hear what your take is, because I feel like that's a Johnny Ive thing to be like, the computer yeah. needs to be maximally thin, and it's worth the sacrifice 
of the faulty right. butterfly keyboards in order for the computer to be as tiny as possible. Well, let's hold that thought. The Johnny Ive, let's hold that thought. See, this is my, this is my deal. I, I do the sponsor reads right here mid-show. Mm. And I have a notorious problem where I think, well, that's a great point for a break. And because we can pick it up right there. And then I do the sponsor read and I completely forget <laughs> what the okay, point was. Okay, well, I'll write down. But I won't forget. I, I will come back to it. Johnny Ive. All right. Our next sponsor. Oh, listen to me on this one. Fracture. Fracture's the company where you take your pictures and you send them to Fracture, and then they print them directly on glass. You can get little tiny ones, put them on your desk. You can get big ones, really big ones, to fill, like, the biggest walls in your home with your pictures. They look fantastic. They're printed directly on glass. It does – it looks so much cooler than you can imagine. It does not look like a piece of paper right up against glass. It really does look like it's printed right on the glass. You don't need a frame. It just put it right up. It's edge-to-edge. Everything you need, whether you want to hang them on the wall or you want to prop them on your desk or put them on your mantle, whatever you need comes in the packaging. The prices are great. The quality is amazing. Here's the thing, though. It is mid-November. I don't want to bum you out. I know that stores are already playing Christmas music, but I'm telling you, mid-November, it's time to think about holiday items. And Fracture always, you can't wait till the last minute. Right, because they're printing them right there in Gainesville, Florida, right here in the USA. They, it's such a great holiday gift idea. I say it all the time when I do these sponsor reads. I'm telling you, any single person in your family who you don't know what to get them, figure it out. Get a picture of you, you with them, a picture of them, a picture of your kids, a picture of your dog, of your cat, of anything that they might have any sentimental attachment to. Get them a fracture print, and they'll be delighted, and you're done. But you got to do it now. Don't wait till mid-December like I would do because I'm a procrastinator because then it'll be too late and they'll they'll have a big thing on their website and it'll say, it's too late for Christmas. It's too late for the holidays. Right now, when you're listening to this podcast, it is not too late. Go do it now. Make a list of every single person who you don't know what to get. Go to Fracture. You'll be in and out in no time and you'll have all of your holiday shopping for those people done. Where do you go to to do this? You go to Fracture. Dot me. That's their website. What a great domain. Fracture.me. You will get a discount if it's your first order. And you don't need a code or anything like that. But uh, after you order, they have a one-question survey. Where did you hear of Fracture? And just tell them you heard it right here on the talk show. Go do it now. Do not wait. You're going to – one person out there is going to come back to me in a month and say, you know what? You told me in mid-November to do it, and I waited, and now it's too late. Do it now. My thanks to Fracture. Johnny Ive, that's like one of the other elephants in this whole I saga, mean, right? Because we I know- had forgotten, right? I I feel surprised. I, my my brain since I started my new job is like just mush. But I think I didn't really account for. I had I've forgotten even as I started talking about Johnny Ive right now that he was going to leave the company, and what a significant sort of moment that should have been to me, somebody who knows intuitively if not in any practical sense that johnny ive is like the reason the keyboard is this way and that should have been the sort of like oh we're we're going to be saved or at least this is like an overall good sign and maybe that's over interpreting things but that that was i i feel like now we can sort of safely say that might have been the watershed moment that was needed in order for them to finally step step us back and again so many people 
want everything to be black or white. Johnny Ive is either awesome or he's awful. And so you sit here and we can sit here and speculate that he played even some role in the going forward with the butterfly keyboards because of his personal preference for making things as thin as possible. And that even if it saves 0.45 millimeters of height on the laptop, worth it. That doesn't mean that we're saying Johnny Ive sucks, right? So please get it through your head. But you, you and like you even said it, like you complain about this stuff, and somebody out there who has one of these keyboards who never had a problem will use it as proof that you did something wrong, mm-hmm. right? Like, well, I've got one, and nothing's wrong with it. So well, I don't know what you're doing, you idiot. Right? And it's like, <laughs> like, how did you graduate from high school and and get through like? Uh, even eighth grade science class with that sort of <laughs> mind to evidence. I mean, right? we could like... extend that way beyond keyboards for people to take their own lived experience as like the universal truth. That's almost one yeah. of the greatest problems we're facing right now as a society. But um, I mean, right. I would say what are podcasts for other than wild speculation? I mean, I would never say like, Johnny Ive was the precise reason and this is only being undone because he's gone. But I do think as far as the sort of bigger forces within Apple, the company, I don't think it's nothing. And I, I, you know, I will never, will we ever know for sure? Probably not. But it seems, it seems significant that this went on for so many years and through so many tweaks to the butterfly keyboard design, trying and trying and trying to hold on to it and keep it as close to right. as what it was. And now that he's leaving, now they've finally pushed through a completely, or not a completely different design, but like a more reliable design that they already had. All right. I, I just, you know, again, I don't know. For all I know, somebody could come to me you know, a little birdie who knows, you know, might come to me and say off the record that, you know what, it turns out that Johnny personally hasn't looked at a MacBook design in six years. It just, is his attention has been elsewhere. He's, you know, he's looking, he's looking at architecture. He's looking at chairs. He's, he's obsessed with the volume buttons on iPhones, you know, but the MacBooks, you know, he's, he's delegated to other members of his team actually had nothing to do with the keyboard. They could say that, I would be a little surprised. I, I, and I don't know. And again, I don't know how much of it is Johnny and how much of it is the whole team around him that he's selected that shares his priorities. Mm -hmm. What I have heard from other, actually have heard from other little birdies is that the butterfly keyboard did get pushed through by his team in the, you know, the, the hypothesis that their priority on thinness was higher than their, than their priority on, well, how does it feel to type on? And even even at the point where it got to questions of reliability, that's why they stuck with, well, let's try a second and a third generation of the butterfly design before we give up on it, mm-hmm. you know, that it did kind of come from the ID group. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this has been... The other thing... Been, we've, we've been hearing this, I feel like, that, like, the Apple has always been designed forward, and it was like, here's the casing, figure out how to make the parts fit inside. So for that to be all for that principle to be also applied for the keyboard just wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I th- I think it's I think their design process is definitely more complicated yes, than that. Course. And it's but not like, here. It, yeah. It's right. the 
who, who which right. tail the... who whose tail wagging dog dog wagging right. tail situation right. uh i yeah. think it's a slightly different relationship than other companies yeah uh it's just so hard to say you know i, well, I don't know and and otherwise. the yeah. The other interesting thing about the new keyboard is that it's not just that they that they went back to scissor mechanisms from butterfly mechanisms, which have more travel, uh, which I will verify you can feel that they have more travel. They feel exactly like – I know Marco – I'll put a link in the notes. Marco Arment did this wonderful thing where he actually created charts and graphs of key travel of the keys over the years. And like the old ones – <laughs> before the dark days had like two meter two millimeters of travel or like 1.5 millimeters of travel i think it was like 1.5 the butterflies only had 0.55 let's just call it 0.5 millimeters mm-hmm. i mean seriously 0.05 right. millimeters we're talking about a hair and these new ones are like one millimeter of travel so they're by measuring about halfway between the better butterflies and the old ones and i gotta say just using it for a week, it feels, yeah, it feels like maybe like halfway in between. Uh, it's exactly what it feels like. Uh, but in addition to fixing those mechanisms, they've also gone back to the old arrow key arrangement in an upside down T, which was a big pet peeve of mine. They went back to having a hardware escape key up in the corner. Um, they revisited several decisions that were uh, unpopular with a lot of people. And uh, Again, why did it take mm-hmm. so long? I, I, what is the attachment to some I, of these things? It's very, you know, mysterious. But the attachment yeah. that stuck, I mean, they went down so many not great paths with these designs and that they that people complained about and that they stuck to until now, mysteriously until this yeah. version of the computer. It's very interesting timing. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, though, about the the motivations of the uh, touch bar and how that's sticking around. That's yeah, that's interesting too. Uh, And the way they did, well, number one, let's just get this out of the way. Even though you are New York based and you are in the media and you have written the highest profile along with Joanna Stern uh, articles over the years about the keyboard, you were not invited to the no, media shindig last week. No, absolutely not. Which I think is criminal. I mean, I, regardless I've of never fact... been invited to an Apple event. Um, I was not. Right. I mean, back when I worked at Ars Technica, I was not Apple point person, so that sort of made sense. But I have had very little sort of communication from Apple about... I, I think after this article, this first article came out, I heard from nobody. What I did hear was... Uh, a few months later, a uh, recruiter messaged me on LinkedIn asking me if I would be interested in a job at Apple. Um, I didn't see it until a few <laughs> months later. Um, true story. Uh, but yeah, I heard, I think they, uh, I don't know what their, not... what their um, methodology or like reasoning was for, they, maybe they were just like, what is the outline? Never heard of it before. Maybe this will mm-hmm. just blow over. Um, but it was like that yeah. article, like, I don't know that they have any way of like sort of uh, watermarking how much something is traveling. 
Um, I don't even really have any direct confirmation that anyone inside Apple really like engaged with it. Maybe, maybe someone did tell me something and I just forget, but, um, I think that it was, it was the number, it was like the second most trafficked article on the outline, which is not a, that's, it's kind of, that's a big fish in a kind of small pond, but it was, it was definitely hundreds of thousands of views. It would have even been getting closer to a million, um, by now. So it was not, not nothing. (laughs) So Not sure yeah. and, and it that wouldn't... sort of calculus of like never even engaging with me, even not even in an off the right. record, like yelling at me since like I'm, I have right. never heard from them. Do you think that would have been different if you were still at ours Technica? I mean, I know it's been a couple of years since you left ours, but I wonder about that. And, and I don't know. I, I have obviously have more back and forth with Apple PR than most people listening to this show, Actually, probably most I'm people, forgetting. but I, I don't know how they work. I don't know how they work. And even off the record, even off the record with trusted people who I've had a years long relationship with Apple PR, they, it's just in the bones of everybody at Apple that they don't explain why they do what they do. I mean, I am, I'm actually, now I need to walk back what I said a tiny bit. They did contact me, but like as a customer, it wasn't like a PR, like Mm. what I've heard is they will, Mm -hmm. you know, people they know or know of will get in touch and just, I mean, might be an overstatement to scream at them, but they will, they will get very upset and, you know, come, come at you for the things that you say. They sort of contacted me as a customer that was, and we're like, we're sorry you're having trouble with your computer. Do you want a new computer of the same exact model? And I was like, uh, I think ultimately I did take them up on it, but then ended up still getting rid of it because it just had the same, like I was, I think I might've messaged them back being like, this is to be clear. We're talking about the same exact computer with the same exact keyboard. That's the, you know, by design going to have the same exact problem. They were like, yep. And I was like, okay, well, uh, I don't really have any other um, choice, so sure. But, um, yeah, in a PR sense, never heard from them. Um, what were you going to say? Well, what what computer are you using now? Like, what is your daily So the driver? one – well, I have my own personal uh, – I bought one of the MacBook Airs last year in a fit of uh, incredible <laughs> optimism. But also I'm just like – I think I've become, I've really, I've really, uh, come into my own as a person who is, uh, just, uh, like, I guess I will waste my own money to prove a point to prove that I'm right. Even though in doing it, I ruin my own life. Um, that's sort of where I'm at. And now the, the keyboard has been having problems on and off and they've gotten so bad in the last like couple of weeks. I made an appointment at the Apple store, uh, for next week. And it's funny because every time I go in, I'm kind of like, I want, do these people like know who I am? And I'm never like, do you know who I am? Or I'm never like, I'm Casey Johnston. Here's the article I wrote. I want a new keyboard or whatever, (laughs) but I'm, I've always so, I'm so curious. Like if they, cause no one's ever like shown any sort of betrayed any recognition of, of like, Oh yeah. You like that. I like, I think most people don't look at bylines as definitely one uh, potential answer yeah. to that uh, thing, but it's like there's really no like flag in the back end of like this <laughs> like number not number one a, yeah. an enemy of the Apple state. Um, I would be so right. surprised. I don't feel like I get treated any differently, and people still 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 
do still talk to me like I'm, you know, a child, like who doesn't, who's never used a computer before the way they talk to everybody. Um, but I want to, well, well I, you were asking me something about PR and Apple and Ars Technica. Well, I, I was just asking, I just curious if you think that if you had written the same series of articles and they were published through ours, do you think it, it would have had a, I'm not saying it would have changed the world and gotten the new MacBook keyboard out sooner, but I, I somewhat suspect that you would have gotten more of an official off the record, almost certainly. I do wonder. I mean, I think that like the, the main, the main contact for Apple stuff while I was there was Jackie Chang, um, who was kind of Apple editor. Um, And I can only imagine if I had done such an article that they would have contacted her at least. And like, can we all sort this out maybe? Um, Or, you know, if I had published it at, um, I don't know, The Verge, something like that, it might have been more. But then the question is too, like, I'm not sure how much of a stomach anyone had at that point. Like, this was not to toot my own horn, but like, uh, no one was, no one was like asking the hard questions about this computer. And I think there was, and there's, there was still at that point, like, I think there's been a little bit of a watershed since that of like sort of questioning Apple's, um, design judgment and or integrity that I think people were playing, they were playing softball on this, on this, on these models. Um, and I'm not sure that if I had pitched an article to a tech publication that was like, these keyboards are garbage. I think not to not to name any names. I never had any of these conversations, but I think that people are overall quite protective of their relationship with Apple, the company. And I think there would have been some real hesitation about putting a stake in the ground that was like these computers are bad. So it was like it's a, a real credit to the outline too, and to Leah Finnegan, who was like. Yeah. Uh, the only reason this article came into being was that she she's like a friend of mine and was <laughs> listening to me rant over and over about these keyboards and was like, can you just write this article? And I was like, okay. Um, and like so many things that I write, I'm kind of like, I don't know that anyone will ever care or listen to this. Like it's a keyboard in one of the most expensive computers you can buy. Like what a sort of marginal and dumb complaint. Um, but there was a lot, there's obviously like, a lot more there and I'm being kind of facetious, yeah. but I think no, that I, like there would have, I, it's uh, hard to imagine this having played out in any different way because of that sort of Apple tech publication um, dynamic that is, is still, is still a, um, an ongoing thing. I think it's changed a little bit, but it's what about a fact. I, I don't, I, I get it. And I, I don't think you're, tooting your own horn unnecessarily. I really mean it that, that you sort of went out on your own and, and were sort of like the first to call the emperor has no clothes. This keyboard is actually a piece of crap and ruining my life. And you were on your own at that point. It wasn't like there was no acknowledgement that people were having problems, right? I mean, it was, there was an undercurrent of that, a baseline mm-hmm. of. Yeah. I know, mean, I did have to go and t- find, I, I, I went and found, backup for what I was saying. I didn't want to like make it entirely about myself. And there were, there were forum posts and people going back and forth. And, um, just the fact that there seemed to be this sort of party line from 
the genius bar was a, another sort of telling element. Right. Like there were a few things that had to be sort of yeah. in place in order for me to feel comfortable making this argument. But yeah, it was like no one was really naming the thing. Yeah. Um, and so just to be clear, your current computer <laughs> is, is a MacBook Air that you got last year after the new MacBook Airs came out in November. Right. Or whatever, they were, they were the sort of great new hope at that point that they had like right. whatever the fourth right. or third generation butterfly key that was supposedly no, going to be better. And they had the membrane and whatever. Yeah. And I was like, I don't trust this, but I'm going right. to give it a shot. And like, I really did need a new computer. My computer was a 2013. Um, I could have done what I, I suggest people do or what I have been suggesting people do. And like literally um, Gia Tolentino asked me about this a couple or maybe like a month ago. She was like, my computer's dying. What should I do? The sort of de rigueur thing became to buy a refurb uh, like 2015. Um, right. So the one, they, I yeah. think at the time they were even sort of hard to find. And I think they still are. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I was on the fence about doing that. And that's, it was only like sort of two years newer than the computer that I have that wasn't like doing so hot. And I wanted more sort of, um, not that necessarily you would get more performance out of an air than a pro, but just, I think it, in terms of like overall newness of the hardware, I wanted to like give myself a better chance at that. Uh, and right. now here we are. I, I do think and again, it's all anecdotal, but, you know, we have to treat Apple's statements on this. You know, they've said over and over again, a small number of customers are affected by mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And, you know, what is a small number? It's, you know, famously, it's a, a Bezos number, right? Like mm -hmm. Amazon will say, famously, we've had our uh, best-selling Christmas, you know, Black Friday ever. But then they don't tell you, you know, what it's in relation to. There's no right. baseline. So small, small number... <laughs> I mean, we all know that it isn't everybody. We all know it probably isn't most people, right? Like it's, is it 49%? Well, it's kind of like is it's it... never, it's never that many at any given time, but like over the course of the lifetime of a computer, how many is it? I would right. be very curious. It's like, maybe there are only, let's say, I don't know, a couple thousand computers in the shop. That's a right. very small number to be having an issue at any given time. Right. But if you consider how many you've sold and how many you've treated, I would be super curious what that statistic is. Right. And you, you just know that they know because the people who work at Apple in Cupertino use MacBooks. And so whatever the failure rate is, we know it's high enough that it percolated within the company mm -hmm. uh but i've seen crazy things like just like over the last three years and once this really became uh, for lack of a better word a meme you know that hey these keyboards are crap like you see pictures on twitter of people who use an external keyboard with their macbooks <laughs> That's always right? the best. which is insane and and they're like smart people and like professional developers and they're like well i i just don't feel like being without it for seven days while they replace yep. it. Like it's, I'll actually go through the ridiculousness of plugging in a USB keyboard <laughs> or a blue, you know, using oh, a Bluetooth one uh, rather than the built-in one because I don't want to do it. And I could honestly see myself doing that because there are times where you just don't want to be without your, your computer yeah, for seven for days. Sure. And it's such a pain. I mean, I'm in a position right? where I have, I have this, my personal computer, which I, I guess I don't even need. I have my work, my work laptop, which is one of the MacBook pros, the non, 
non-touch bar, extra long escape key, uh, like 2016 or 17. Um, and then I have also a desktop computer. So I wouldn't be like totally hard up if I were to take this right. one in, which I'm going to do. And hopefully they will. I think the last time I brought right. this one in, they sprayed it out with a can of air. <laughs> Um, not in front of me, That's... notably, and, and brought it back out. And it did seem to be working better. And I was like, okay, but the, like now I've done the, I have two cans of air here. I've tried right. to spray it out. It hasn't made any difference. Right. Um, so I'm hoping they will just fix it. And I'm very tempted to play the, do you know who I am card on this? Because I'm, I'm right. so tired of dealing with the problem and I'm hoping they will just take it and re it's... replace it or whatever. <laughs> It's so funny that they won't even even if their their first fix is to use the air air spray, you know, the compressed air trick that they won't do it in front of you. It's sort of like like it's like their version of like you you flag your waiter and you're you know the I've got a fly in my soup and then the waiter isn't just going to fish the fly out of your soup and walk away. <laughs> it's going to take your soup away and right, presumably right. give you a fresh bowl of soup. Well, that's what you like, think, but um I think I mean, the whole the whole service element of this keyboard issue has been so ridiculous. Like, I think I, I wrote about this um, that the first time or the third, I think the third time, but the sort of first cycle in the first model of computer that I had that was having this problem, they um, one of the diagnostic tests was to put the computer in a particular um, I think diagnostic or safe mode or something like that. And it ran, it ran a program where the genius went through and pushed each key. And I was like, this is such theater. I can't, I can't stand it. I, th I think I like dissociated when I was sitting there. I was like, this is what, what would this tell you? I like, absolutely nothing. I, I just can't, I couldn't conceive of right. what useful input that would. And I think it also, there was also like a software element where it was like there was a progress bar and it was like analyzing the keyboard and it's like this there there's just no way that this is doing anything and it was like 45 yeah. minutes of of this just like a few tests like that and i was like oh my god you, you like you can type on the keyboard and see that it doesn't work but you're gonna do all of yeah. this stuff anyway i thought that the other thing that was frustrating at the point where and again i don't think it was a problem that apple shift well, it's a problem, but I don't think it's a mistake that Apple shipped this keyboard in the first place because I can imagine a scenario where it got through internal testing as reliable and it was only a question of whether people liked it and it gets out. You, you know, you can ship mistakes. If you don't ship mistakes once in a while, maybe you're not trying hard enough. I actually believe that, right, that, mm -hmm. if you, you know, that you're, you're being too cautious. But it's like the way to be right all the time is to keep an open mind about having made mistakes, you know, and this is my philosophy, you know, with what I write at Daring Fireball, where it's like, I try to be right all the time in what I write, but then, you know, I try to keep an open mind that maybe I'm wrong about mm -hmm. something and acknowledge it and then just say, Hey, you know what? I was wrong about that. Right. Um, in the era, you know, let's say all of 2018 is where I feel it was maximal comedy of this is absurd, you know, and that's, you know, it was March or May of 2018 when Joanna wrote her f famous and so amazing column mm -hmm. the for the Wall Street was, Journal. Was, could, left nothing on the table. It was, it was just incredible. 
I wish I had thought of it. I, I, I told if I her. Had, if I had. I know. Oh my God. I can't even. I. She was on my show a couple episodes ago, and I told her. I was like, I, that's the Hall of Fame column for anybody in this racket. Like, because it was hilarious. It was spot on. It was totally fair. It, the gimmick was execute. It was. It sounded like a good gimmick, and then the execution was amazing. And it wound up actually having an effect. Like, I know. I can't say for a fact, but I can say with 99% certainty that Apple shipped that uh, summer update to the MacBook Airs sooner than they were planning to. And the thing that the straw that broke the camel's back on changing their internal schedule was Joanna's oh, column. Sure. That it I mean, was I'm like, so envious of it, the, the platform. Like, uh, right. how. Would would anything that I mean maybe that's the real question to ask is would anything have been any different like you know, leave aside the tech outlets if I had if I had written this for right. like the New York Times right what would have yeah been very true yeah yeah I think I think it would have had more fallout I, I think there's no doubt about it and that's not right it's not fair we should you know uh, ideally in an ideal world. <laughs> Which, at this point, with the way the world is today, it makes me laugh even imagining an ideal world. But in an ideal world, every article would be judged on its own merits and would reach the audience it deserves to reach. But that's not mm -hmm. true. Of course, I mean so, something like that. I feel. You know? I think I feel some some uh, resentment about it, also because it's not like. Uh, again, this is me being like, <laughs> do you know who I am? In a way that's just screaming into the void. But it's like. While the outline was nothing, it's like I've I've been a tech writer for a very not a very long time, but like a decade, and like it's yeah. like I know what I'm oh, talking absolutely. about. I I'm not. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't believe that I am entirely unknown to people who work at Apple from back when I worked at Ars Technica. Like it's not like I was a, a nobody yeah. who just happened to be hating their computer. So it's, it's right. frustrating to me also that it couldn't get traction just from that. But it's like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, you know, myself. It, it, something broke internally. It's like I said, Apple internally clearly wasn't hooked up to deal with a mistake of this magnitude. And 2018 to me was where it really, I mean, it's great that it's fixed now at the end of 2019, or at least the fix has started rolling out. But 2018 was ridiculous. If they had fixed it, it, it by the end of 2017 or at the beginning of 2018, then Joanna never would have gotten to write her column, <laughs> right? And X, Y, and Z. But the other thing that I thought was interesting about 2018 was 2018 last year was, or no, 2019, it was this year when they came out, this year when they came out with the third generation butterfly keyboards with the quote unquote material change, which I clarified, what do you mean by that? Because material has different meanings. You know, there's the scientific meaning where you're using a different mm -hmm. like material, material to make science. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then there's also the sense that material just means meaningful. Mm -hmm. And they were like, well, it, we really mean both, oh, but <laughs> we, we do, there are, but there are, there's one or more components and they wouldn't say, you know, one thing, they wouldn't say it was this little hinge or whatever they, you know, typical Apple, they don't want to explain. And I guess, I don't know if the iFixit people took it apart and figured out what, it's, yeah, what actually sure is did. made and out of And it was just material. the, it was the membrane and like the membrane was a yeah. particular, I think they like figured out or reverse, not reverse engineered, right. but sort of through through differential diagnosis figured out what the yeah. material of it was and like um or at least what was extremely similar so that was so i 
I do think so. I, I feel like the ultimate good news, bad news is I do feel that that change actually improved the keyboard reliability. And it does. And again, this is my anecdotal data as the guy who writes Daring Fireball. It's very different than what Apple knows from people coming into stores. But I hear from a lot of people, you know, like I've heard from an awful lot of people who read my site, or follow me on Twitter, or listen to the podcast who've told me about problems with this keyboard. Um, I I really do think that the, that that third generation quote unquote material change fixed the reliability issues. Mm-hmm. I don't think it fixed the way it this feels. Is, I, I I could be wrong. And so this is, the, this the, is the bad have, news right? part this of it. This is the yeah. Like, you don't have not it. within the MacBook Air. I think it's not within the MacBook Air by default. But I think if you do bring it in and you have enough sort of like yeah, um, yeah they won't they won't give you that. They will give you the new one. Right. Yeah, they won't. Yeah, if you need a fix, even though you bought the one at the end of 2018, they would give you the fixed one. And it is if you just think about the way Apple usually works, iPhones are unique because and, you know, and they make the most money on them and they're everywhere. But iPhones, everybody knows when's the next iPhone coming out. I can tell you for Mm -hmm. a fact it's coming out in like the second Tuesday (laughs) of September, unless September, the second Tuesday of September is September 11th, in which case they'll do it on Mm. Wednesday because they don't want to do it on September 11th. I guarantee it. They do it every year. It comes out like clockwork. It is as, you know, it it doesn't have a date, but it's like Easter, you know, that you can, there's like an algorithm where you can predict which Sunday Easter is going to be. Mm -hmm. And you know, you know, what's Thanksgiving is going to be, you know, a, yeah, why don't we really like institutionalize September. this into like Apple Tuesday? I think Jackie right. Chang used to say this. Like right. everyone used to be yeah. like breathlessly be like, "Oh my God, the invites for the Apple event!" And she was like, "It was like yeah. this is the date." She was like, "It's always the second Tuesday. It's been this way for you know yeah. a decade." Yeah, right. There are other products that are on irregular schedules, you know, and MacBooks in particular, to the frustration of people who rely on them as like me yourself. and probably you as as their primary work computer are harder to predict. But one thing we know is they don't update them more than once a year. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that they came out with, and, and that the whole idea of a modernized MacBook Air was the, the, they said so last year, it's their best selling MacBook. It's, you know, this is what people think of as a, a Apple laptop, right. a wedge shaped thing with a 13 inch screen which is like just right for most people where it's this perfect balance of portability and lightweight and still still bigger than that little tiny macbook and it's bigger than an 11 inch ipad blah 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 but everybody wanted one with a retina screen because it by that point it was like well this is ridiculous that their their most popular laptop is still sold with this screen that looks like it's from 15 mm-hmm. years ago so they came out with it in november and the fact that they updated it in the summer this year to get that third generation keyboard standard and they did something else they like switched to cheaper ram or something there was something like mm. that they they made a couple of other they did more than just put the keyboard in um it it shows you that that the keyboard was an issue because there's no way they would have updated it. at the the soonest they would have updated it as a regular apple product would have been 1 year later right Doing it nine months is unusual. Right. Yeah. Very telling. Yeah. All right. You were asking about the touch bar before. Yes. Uh, and it's still I didn't in really that, answer. Is my understanding, but shortened or yeah. something? Well, so what they've done, it is different. And so now there is on the left side a physical escape key. 
so the touch bar doesn't go all the way to the left side. Uh, and it no longer shows you the fake escape key that it would have done, except for certain apps. There's actually an interesting thread on Twitter that I swear I hope I'll put in the show notes where some guy who works at Apple actually wrote about it, which is unusual because people at Apple often don't publicize stuff right. like this. But uh, there are some cases where certain apps like might put up like a dialogue box and they still put the equivalent. They won't put an escape key at on the virtual touch bar, but there might be like a done button or something <laughs> that finishes something and their logic, which is really, really smart. Like in a sense, you can almost see that this is how they tried. This is why they shipped the no physical escape key in the first place was that there are all sorts of situations and corners you can get painted into designing the software where it makes sense for the touch bar to be involved in canceling or stopping or whatever you would use an escape key for. Um, but the basic idea now is that if you start something on the touch bar, if the app has some kind of thing where you start the process of changing the volume or whatever, the can't, the way to get out of it might still be on the touch mm -hmm. bar. Anyway, so that's one change. There's a real escape key and the logic of what the touch bar shows has changed dynamically based on which computer you're on because obviously you might be running the same version of mac os 10 on a year old macbook pro and you still need the virtual escape key uh on the right side the touch id sensor now has like a gap between it and the touch mm. bar so you can feel it more clearly mm -hmm. yeah that's what the air um, has i mean i the air obviously doesn't have a touch bar but yeah it's its own standalone sort of piece right right yeah it's the exact i think it might be the exact same piece from mm -hmm. the air um and then the other change they made was that they increased – all of the keys have more space between them now. It doesn't really look like it at a glance, but if Weird. you really compare it side by side – well, it's good. Though. I think it's a really important change because I feel like the keys being too close to each other led to sometimes not being sure where your fingers were on the right keys. Huh. So all of the keys on the keyboard have slightly more space between them. Uh, and they slightly, um, you know, it, it's like a fraction of a millimeter, maybe. Uh, it's not a huge gap. But it's enough that I think it really makes a difference is that the touch bar is further above the number key row. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit more of a gap that there, like too. Good, and they said... a good design call yeah. because I think I've... I, I mean, I experienced this, too, when I had one for, you know, it was a year and change, I think, but constantly hitting the touch bar by accident, never really wanting to interact with yeah. the touch bar other than to use the um, the F key. Like, basically, the media keys are, like, the um, brightness up and down. Um, the one, like, the, bright, the brightness the or the, the... the key... Either the keyboard brightness or the screen brightness is, like, all I ever... ever used it yeah. for and it was just like two extra taps than it was when it was just the hard uh function keys um but it was otherwise just constant hitting it by accident and people were activating siri by accident and that's fixable but um yeah moving it away from the rest of the keyboard seems like a all merciful right. gesture all right all right you don't have a touch bar right now but let me let me just throw out a tip for everybody listening who does and is kind of annoyed by it is you don't actually have to do an extra tap when you tap on the brightness or the volume on the touch bar you can just immediately start dragging and it'll immediately show you and and move the oh. little slider to show has you it always what it been is. that way it has always oh. been that way but if you don't know that i don't see any reason why any person would guess it right 
It is a great little shortcut. It's very clever. It's been like that since the day one, but it doesn't, it looks like you have to tap it first, wait for the slider to appear because when you do it the way I'm telling you to, the slider doesn't, your finger isn't actually on the slider because you're not starting where it is. Mm. Anyway, mm. play with it. Everybody, it's a game changer. Yeah. And it really does. It, the bigger question, and I, you didn't ask it directly, but I know what you're going to, I know what you're getting at is that the touch bar is not universally beloved. Oh, and no, there are, I feel like it's, it's uh, another, it would be, it would be a greater uh, folly headline were it not for the keyboard in general, I feel like, but the keyboard yeah. has really stolen the, um, the thunder as far as like design mistakes. I think that the touch bar is very a different. It's a different caliber of controversy compared to the keyboard yeah. because but I, I would do be think talking that about the, it more if there weren't the keyboard no. to talk about. Yeah, yeah probably. And um, I so I think internally Apple sees the touch bar as uh, a premium thing that is better than F keys. Now, better how, I'm not quite sure what they think internally. But that anything that's a premium uh, MacBook is going to come with one. And so, like, the 13-inch MacBooks have had, you know, the what we colloquially have called the MacBook Escape because it had, in, in addition to not having a touch bar period, therefore always had a physical escape key. But that's, like... It's not really a pro pro device. It's actually slower. It has like more like a MacBook Air's internal uh, chipset and stuff like that. They just call it a MacBook Pro because it's the exact same size as the MacBook 13-inch MacBook Pros that do have a touch bar, mm -hmm. right? And it's a lot cheaper. It was, you know, it's hundreds of dollars less. Um, right. I mean, the 15 inch the real thing is like, I don't, I would never having yeah. used one now. It's like, I would never pay extra hundreds of dollars for this thing that is slightly, right. actually slightly <laughs> less useful to me than the, um, configuration of the function keys and solves a problem that you never mm -hmm. had. Like there's nobody really, I, I think internally what Apple has thought and I get it. Like the idea of function keys just period seems like this weird throwback to like 1978 right right like it it's like i mean you get i don't i don't like i'm just, not gonna say there's like no way to improve upon the function keys there there should there should be right. but it's like this is not this is not right. achieved you know yeah. yeah you know and it was asked at the media event the question and answer stuff was all uh off the record on background, I forget the exact rules, but I, I didn't worry about it because I knew I wasn't going to quote anybody anyway, so I treated it as on background. Um, but you know, they did the, the media thing in like groups of eight. Uh, I don't know how many groups there were, it's one of those other things you just don't know what's going on when Apple holds these because they had like a group of eight that had a little keynote presentation just for us that was on the record. Um, explaining everything that was new then we had time for questions and then they moved us around as a group of eight to a series of demo stations where like here's developer stuff and they show you xcode doing stuff super fast and literally made a point of saying that you know here if you use the vim text editor from unix the escape key is right there oh, um so i don't know how many groups there were but they moved us around but um 
Somebody in my group definitely asked about the, and it was Marco. <laughs> of course. <laughs> definitely, definitely asked about, hey, why is there no option? Is there, just double checking, there's no option to buy one of these 15-inch MacBook Pros without the touch bar. Mm -hmm. And if not, why? And the first part of the question was answered very clearly, no, <laughs> there is no option. And the second part wasn't answered at all because that, that's the sort of decision Apple just will not explain. And they won't say we're not going to explain it. They have an answer, but it's sort of word salady, and they just won't say it. Right. I think – I think it's because they truly do believe it's better. I think they think it's more elegant, and I think they think it genuinely is a premium product, uh, a premium aspect of a product. And the one thing about the 15-inch MacBook Pros, even going back to the PowerBook era, I think, is that they've the 15-inch ones and now the 16-inch have always been uh, very pro in terms of specs and price, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's never been... There's never been a sort of more affordable way to get a 15-inch display on a Mac laptop, which I think kind of sucks because if you, you know, like, uh, you know, it, it, the whole thing, this whole keyboard thing has really just shown that if you're a Mac user, we all know that we're beholden to one company's whims mm -hmm. on everything. And, you know, if there's a problem, what if they start shipping crappy computers? We're, we're all fucked, right? We're screwed. Right. And I mean, we're already there. One of some, are we right? Last we, few years, we, a dark, a dark few years we've had here. Right. Right, but I, it's kind of crazy to me that if you know, I totally get why someone would want the smallest laptop possible. Totally can imagine that. I can also imagine why someone would want the biggest laptop possible to have the biggest display possible. Uh, because they, and they don't care. Maybe they don't even move it around much. Maybe they just mostly use it at their desks. So the fact that it's big doesn't really matter. And they, you know, have a bag that it fits in. And I also get why most people want one that's sort of right in the middle with like a 13.3 inch diagonal screen. Uh, I totally get all of that. But I think it really sucks that if you're, what you really want is a big 16 inch, 15 inch screen, whatever size, and you want to use a Mac that you've, your starting price is $2,400. Yeah. Like, I think that kind of sucks. It's wild. Like, cause what if, yeah. What if you really don't do anything other than use Safari and email and Slack and you, you, you don't need professional you grade RAM. Yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> wanting a big screen, it seems like a very normal thing to want, you know, like they'll sell you an iMac that, you know, that it is relatively lower spec just because you want a big screen. Mm. Like I don't, I mean, uh, anyway, the, point, the point that I would make is that like, if you want, like a, a laptop is so uh, suboptimal for working on for a long time in so many ways that like, to me, if you want a big screen, but you don't need it for any other purpose, other, like you're not editing video or photos or, or say like right. you're you don't have some visual need you just like want some visual space i'm kind of like that that speaks to you're on the computer for a long time you're using it a lot unless you're super super mobile i'm kind of like you should just have a, a desktop setup like a monitor that you can plug into yeah. and then that solves well. your problem problem like it's like only if you need this big screen and somehow need to be able to bring it like lots of different places which i don't think is the majority of people who need to bring I, it I think if they places had... and like also need yeah. that huge screen 
I think if they had one now, if they had a 15-inch MacBook Pro that had a slower CPU, like the 13-inch one that doesn't have a touch bar, and they took out the touch bar, and it was only 2000 or maybe $1,900, like cut $500 off the price. But $1,900, still pretty you know, expensive in the world of laptops. Mm-hmm. I think that thing would sell shockingly Even well. if still it was like the same price as a 13-inch that worked, that was better, had better specs and just a smaller screen. Right, and has a touch bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, the, I, 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 I guess my other disappointment with the touch bar, I'm okay with them. I'm not a touch bar hater. I'm not a touch bar lover, but I'm okay with it. I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me in the least that I'll probably never buy a MacBook again that doesn't have one. Right. I kind of wish, though, that they had thought of better things to do with it. Well, I think... It just... That... that this is the most sort Doesn't of... Doesn't that seem like part of the problem? This is the most sort of positive thing that I can say for the touch bar is that it holds space for if they have they ever do come up with a good idea of how to use it. It's like the computers right. will, will already... Or like a certain like back generation of computers will already have it. It's like they can't they can't go back and change the function keys. I mean that you sort of can, but they can't change like the printing on them or whatever. So it's like it creates space for a good idea if someone ever has one. <laughs> and that's that's sort of I there's there's some meaning to that, I think. I, I don't I wouldn't say there's like absolutely nothing that a touch bar could be useful for. It's like there's a couple of um applications, I think, where it's like scroll scrolling through certain things. Um, or shortcuts like there's there's a way I think that it could be integrated that's useful but we haven't gotten no. there yet. All right, all right. I'm gonna take like a quick break here. Thank our third. Sorry. Yeah, third and final sponsor. Good friends at Squarespace. Uh, Squarespace, the longest longest sponsor of the talk show. You've heard me talk about them. If you're a regular listener, dozens dozens of times, possibly. Quite possibly. We're, I think we're on episode 269. Quite possibly over 100 times they have sponsored this show. They still sponsor the show. You know why? Because people who listen to the talk show keep signing up for Squarespace. Because, guess what? Never goes out of style having a website. And maybe you have an old website. You want to make a new one. Eventually, it's going to happen to you. When you do, you should start at Squarespace. All in one. They do everything. You go there to Squarespace. You can register your domain. You can pick a template. You can tweak the template. You can do your whole original design from top to bottom. You do it all WYSIWYG right in the browser. Then once your website's up, maybe it's a store. Maybe you're hosting a blog. Maybe you've got a podcast. You're going to post the podcast on your Squarespace site. Maybe it's a restaurant site that you're doing for a friend who's opening up a new restaurant or something like that. You want to put the menu up and the hours and whatever else goes on the website. Once you do it and the site is up, when you add new content, you want to post something else to the blog, you do that through Squarespace. All of it. It's literally all in one. I can't emphasize how much they really mean it. It's no exaggeration, not just a marketing term. And it really is easy to use, totally great. And totally absolves you of all the weird stuff that you might have to do. Like, are you supposed to update the operating system on your hosting account or something like that? Like, how are you keeping it safe? Ah, Squarespace handles all of that. Really great. Remember, keep it in mind the next time you need a new website or you want to update an old website. Go to squarespace.com. They have a free trial. Last a whole month. Try. Do everything before you pay a nickel. 
And then when you do sign up, that's when you want to remember this. The code is talk show, no the, just T-A-L-K-S-H-O-W, and you will save 10% off. And when you do that, you can pay for a whole year in advance, save 10% on a whole year of hosting at Squarespace with code talk show. All right. I guess we should talk more about this actual laptop that I'm talking to you on now. Yeah. What's there to say? I'm going to try something. Okay. Here's what I want to try. So the, so the keyboard being fixed, the, to me, this in order, here's, here's to me the, the, new, the story of the new MacBook in order, the keyboard, totally fixed. I love it. I really like this keyboard. Now when I go back to my 2015, which is my personal one, I actually I feel how jiggly all the keys are. Mm. Like they've, they've kept that stability of the keycaps from the butterfly keyboard, but put it into a nice, squishy scissor key mechanism. I think you're going to like it. Uh, you haven't tried one, right? Because no. they just hit the stores I mean, yesterday yeah, or something are, like they, that. Are they in stores now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, they might be in stores. And I know that if you pre-ordered on Wednesday, some people started getting them yesterday. Mm. You're going to like it, I think. Uh, it definitely feels better than I the mean, butterfly keyboards. Just, it even has just a, like the magic keyboard, the external keyboard, right? Or Yeah, with less yeah. travel. Yeah. But I think the keys even feel a little bit more stable, though, because maybe because they don't move a lot. Um, It just has a good feel. It has the same really nice backlighting that doesn't bleed around the edges from the recent keyboards. You know, like now I look at my 2015 MacBook and I'm like, that looks kind of cheap, the way the backlighting bleeds out from around all the keys. Uh, I love the new arrow key layout. I'm hung up on that. I could never get used to the full height left and right arrow keys are you are you a person who cared about that i decision? don't think i use the arrow keys enough to get upset about it mm. i mean i have um like uh, my other my other computers i think that i do when i'm doing arrow stuff it's more um on different keyboards uh, yeah it's never it's never really mm. bothered me i've never really like fully understood that complaint but i respect it i i, I could never get used to it i have a friend who's a system administrator uh and he was helping me with some stuff with Daring Fireball this week. Uh, he's going to buy one just to get it. Because um, he and he's using, yeah, he uses the arrow keys all day, every day, like at the command line, like to go up and down between oh, previous yeah. commands and stuff like that. I think like John, John Syracuse uh, as well is a uh, big, is, is, this yeah. is a big pet peeve for him as well. Yeah. I, so I think there's people, there's a lot of people who didn't really care. And the, everybody who did care hated the, the other layout. Right. So everybody who cares wants the upside down T and everybody who was like, ah, the other one was fine. I, I, I found like one guy on Twitter who was arguing with me that the, the new one was better. I, and his, his logic was that because the left and right keys are used more often than up down, therefore they should be bigger, but it's, I I don't even know where to start with it. No. And the worst part is I know I talked to someone at Apple, like I know that, you know, how they talked about how they did like all this user testing about like we put different keyboard prototypes in front of people and and then like photographed, you know, their accuracy, you know, like they used video. They did real testing to figure out what, what makes people make less mistakes. Well, that is true. They did do that testing. But the thing that Apple didn't say last week in the publicity for this device is that's something that they have done 
for like 25 years and never stopped and have always done like they've always done serious testing on things like mm -hmm. that. And so they had all the data <laughs> about how making the keycaps too big and decreasing the travel and using this different arrow key design. They had the data that showed that it made people slightly just, you know, how much less efficient, how many more errors? I don't know, but that there was slightly more errors and less efficiency. They knew that when they shipped the keyboards that had those designs. So, you know, I mean, I find it so like, sort of the, the, what is the advantage of this, of this one with the fat left, right keys? Like it just looks, it, it sort of like squares out the entire layout. That seems yeah, to be the only thing, which is not, not doesn't yeah. seem worth at all. The trade off of, no. It, it yeah. seems like a silly it, decision. Yeah, it's like, it, it's sort of like, you know, like, oh, uh, this is a terrible analogy, but it's like, if you have a gap in your teeth, it's like, well, you can at least fit a toothpick in there. Yeah. You know, like, oh. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, sure, it, it doesn't look as good, and aesthetically, you should go to an orthodontist and get it fixed, but there's, a you know, maybe a functional aspect of it. I don't know. There's a functional aspect to these to the gaps there. The keyboard, it's just better. I don't want to spend more time on this. I, it re I really do think it's fixed. Good. I would wager money that the reliability issues are gone too because it truly is an all-new mechanism. Scissor keys, even though they have less travel than they used to, never seem to have been uh, bothered by <laughs> bits of dust or dandruff. Right. I mean, I can't say right. it enough. It was, like, it was just never something I ever thought about with a computer right. before. <laughs> and I, now, it's like all I never thought – I never – I never thought I would use the word egress as much as I have in the last mm -hmm. few years. And I don't even write massively about the keyboard. Anyway, number one story, the keyboard is an all-new design. It feels better. I think it's going to be more reliable. I like it. Uh, number two, this is the part that, out of left field. I just it wasn't even on my radar or something Apple might do. The speakers on this thing are amazing. They are. My, my analogy, my first thoughts on it. I compare it to going from a non-retina display to a retina display. It is that different side by side with like the 15 inch MacBook Pro that this replaces. It is a, it is totally credible that you could be in like a, a typical small like living room and use this laptop as the speaker to entertain guests and have music playing. It does not sound like a laptop. It sounds like a HomePod Junior. Hmm. It, it, it really, it is absolutely astounding. And it just came out to me, it came out of left field because I never heard anybody say, boy, I sure wish my laptop had better speakers. Uh, but they, it's really night and day. It is like, and again, going from non-retina to retina to me is the difference because it's, I, like, I feel like with iPhones, the iPhones have surprisingly good speakers. And I don't use them much because, you know, it, it, in most contexts, it feels rude to be playing the audio through your iPhone, like, you know, like if you're out in public. Uh, but when you do want to listen to a video and have it play through the speakers, the iPhone is at this point surprisingly good if you really pay attention to it. But it's been like a uh, incremental thing where f for 11 years every year they've made the speakers slightly better slightly better slightly better slightly better and now we've gotten to a point where yeah if you compare this one against a phone an iphone from seven years ago the speaker difference is night and day you can really hear it it there was never one year where the iphones or the ipads had like a huge uh, increase uh whereas with this macbook pro the speakers are 
absolutely amazing. I don't even know how much I use them. I mean, it's like I don't even know. Like, when's the last time I played stuff through the speakers on my laptop? I usually just play through headphones. Right. But now I'm like trying That's to think. That's why I'm like, kind of like, what what is the significance? I mean, I I will do it. Let's see. If I'm like doing uh, dishes or some house chores, I might like prop the computer yeah. somewhere and play a show right. through it. All right, and that that is, I mean, I'm telling you right now, uh, and I really, I, I hope they bring these to all the MacBook Pros, these speakers. That is, is so much more credible with this. Like, yeah, just playing a show while you're doing dishes or preparing dinner or something like that. It, it it's really amazing for a year over year, you know, generation over generation difference. It is a totally different experience. I I can't emphasize enough how much better it is. Um, uh, Shruti, I forget her last name, but she was uh, the product manager for the MacBook Pros um, uh, at Apple, was on Jason Snell's podcast, Upgrade, and he did a fantastic interview with her after this event. And he asked her about it, like, what exactly is the use case for um, putting good speakers in this? And she goes, well, here's one that's very common. Let's say you're a film editor and you're working on a movie or a commercial or something like that and you've got a scene and the director comes over and is standing right over your shoulder and you want to show it here you just hit the space bar to play the thing having better sound is you know way more it's really important in that scenario because you don't you can't use headphones because you're sharing it with somebody else it's a colleague and you know those little interactions between like a film editor and a director happen you know, thousands of times in the production of a film. And so having better um, sound could make a difference. Totally. For some people. Uh, the other thing they said was uh, that they've increased, uh, they've totally redone the internal microphone. And they've, it's much better. It's like a three microphone array. Uh, and that they even said it's studio quality and that you could use it even to record podcasts. Which sounds like a bold claim. So here's are what you, I'm going to try right, right now? now. No, I have uh, heretofore on this show, I have been talking to you through the Shure Beta 87A microphone mm -hmm. that I've been using for the last several years on this show. But what I'm going to do right now is I'm going into Skype preferences. Wow. Now, who knows? This could just totally oh blow God, up the whole podcast. Test. All right, I haven't done it yet. In three, two, one. I'm on the internal microphone. Do I sound different? Yes, you do. All right. So that proves that it worked. It didn't interrupt the Skype call. No. Uh, Actually, it's interesting. We, we were talking about you were having some like uh, staticky on the um, the other one, but um, on, at least man. But um, this uh, one, no static. But you can hear the room around you a lot more. It's a little like echoier, huh. I think. Huh. That is worrisome. I suspect <laughs> that there might be some bad, well, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but anyway, I'm talking on the internal now. I'll do the rest of the show right here. We don't have much more to go. Um, but I think that's interesting. I'm talking at about the same distance that I would be from the screen if I were just like typing on the keyboard right now or doing like a uh, 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 like a FaceTime call. 
I mean, it sounds fine. It sounds even good, but like, I definitely I do hear a difference. It's yeah. not it's not the shore. Well, yeah. So. Uh, and that to me is it. There's performance increases that I'm not. Here's my question. Okay. Where I've been disappointed by computers, and particularly the MacBook Air with this, uh, how is the webcam? Because the webcam in the MacBook Air is a garbage. You know, I so bad. I didn't test it. I honestly don't know. I'm looking at it because the Skype preferences shows it to me. Uh, I don't know. I'm guessing it's not that good. I'm guessing it might be as good as the MacBook Air. I mean, Air. It's, like, it's interesting because it's not like a... Uh, sort of killer app for the computer i feel like it's like a utility thing but um it's just so it's it's shockingly bad in the macbook air really bad it's like a 640 by 480 not literally but it's it's just yeah breathtakingly awful yeah and i recall it's better in the pros that's all yeah maybe it's a little better i think that the problem is that they've backed themselves into the it is physical corner where they want the display to be so ultra thin and therefore there's even compared to like a phone there's way less thickness you know the the top of the macbook pro display is way thinner than an iphone so there's just no room for a bigger better camera gotcha yeah i don't think it's that great any other questions that you have about the the new macbook pro i don't think so I think the only thing left is what is their schedule for the next year for rolling this out, you know, across the rest of the product line. I know. Hmm. All right. I wonder. All right. Let's call it a wrap. Everybody can follow you on Twitter at Casey Johnston. It's a great Twitter follow. Right now you work at Vice as the life editorial director. That's correct. That's where you can find me. How's it going? It's pretty good. I mean, I'm writing my column as well for right. for Vice, Ask a Swole Woman, and that's that's going really well. Right. Um, but it's great. I've been I hired a whole team, and they're really firing on all cylinders. I'm so proud of them, and they're really fun to work with. Right. So and, I'm having a great time. And so your 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 Ask a Swole Woman column is your column where you take questions and answers from. Well, anybody, but obviously from the perspective of a woman, but you, you're a weightlifting and enthusiast. People asking questions like, hey, what? how do I pick a gym, right? That was like one of your recent columns. Yes. Yeah. It's just stuff about uh, – it's sort of refracted through the lens of like lifting weights, but lo- broadly about uh, people's relationship with their bodies and food and exercise and like how to – sort of get that part of your life in order and feel okay about it and approach it in a way that's sane and not subscribing to a lot of prejudices people have about themselves and what they can or should be doing when it comes to exercise. Yeah. And you've been, you've been writing that column at various publications now for at least like three years, right? Yeah. It's been a little over three years now. Yep. Huh. Hairpin and then self and now vice. Well, that's great. Thank you for being here. I could not have asked for a more point-on guest to talk about these goddamn keyboards than you. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me. It was fun. Well, and thank you, honestly. I mean it from the bottom of my heart for for sort of popping the bubble years ago and and yeah. doing the work that you did on the keyboard. Yeah, cool. Thank you. <laughs>